Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 264 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... How are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's It was a crazy week last week, but uh, mm-hmm. there's lots and lots of stuff to get through due to various um, news dropping and conventions and stuff, online conventions, obviously. But uh, yeah, so uh, what have you been up to this week? I've been uh, playing Iron Man VR, uh, which has been yes. fun. There's some issues with it. It's, it's still a fun game. The story is surprisingly good. I didn't think they'd put as much effort into the story as what they they've done um but you've basically got um you know ghost from uh, ant-man and the wasp oh yeah that's the villain of the game and uh, of course you're playing as tony stark iron man and yeah. uh the, the main part of the story is that uh, ghost is kind of going after tony and given that ghost is a hacker and tony's got a lot of tech equipment uh, you know namely his yeah, suit and stuff yeah. it feeds into that she sort of hacks into things as you're trying to like scan stuff or shoot things or th- there's lots of different scenarios that that happens and uh, the, the main reason she's there is she's going after him for certain people that have died, some of which Tony doesn't actually remember, which kind of speaks to the whole situation. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. My only real issue with the game is the flying can be a little bit hectic sometimes. Right. Not to the point where I get disoriented. I know everybody's got a different uh, level of sensitivity to that, which yeah. mine, mine's quite good, thankfully. When you're in kind of the moment of like flying around and trying to shoot at things, it can really get quite hectic. Yeah. I feel like sometimes the speed of movement in the game is a little bit off, but sometimes you can kind of gain control of things and uh, it's quite fun. Uh, the different weapons you get to use, or at least the ones that I've unlocked because you unlock different things as you go through the game, um, have been quite fun, been quite good. I've got sort of like these heat-seeking missiles. I've got this like machine gun, obviously the normal Iron Man blasters and things like that. It's been pretty good. Like I said, I've just been I've just been mainly surprised by the the story and things. Right. Um because yeah. this this could this could have quite easily been just an on-rails VR shooter type yeah, of thing and, and it isn't it's one of those things when it comes to some of the vr games they tend to air towards it looking visually impressive and then forget to actually write a plot for it so i'm right. oh, that's yeah. good oh i might go and pick that up yeah because i don't the, use the, my vr anywhere near as much as i should do <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i think i'm i don't know how many chapters there is in the game but i'm up to about chapter five or six okay uh, the chapter lengths are pretty good and all that there's actually an entire section in the same room where you uh 
upgrade your Iron Man suit where there's this kitchen, there's a gym, there's a little basketball mini game, there's a punching <laughs> thing. Um, sometimes it doesn't quite work as well as it should because VR can be a little bit fiddly sometimes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just surprised by the game overall, which okay. is uh, which is a good thing. Oh, so, cool. I'll, I'll uh, have to go and pick that up. Yeah, I've been uh, jumping around in that. Um, watched three found footage films. One's called Host, which is on Shudder. I got the one week trial and watched a few things on there. Watched The Den, which you can find for free on YouTube. Right. And I watched uh, one called Ratter as well. Host is the only one of those three that's got like supernatural elements. Um, all of them are quite good. I, I enjoyed all three of them. I probably enjoyed Ratter the most. Den was quite good. But just making good use of like, uh, well, you know, found footage camera stuff and you get a good mixture of like laptop found footage and you get you know handheld camera stuff and that sort of thing i know you're not really like a horror person not really no 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 but uh yeah those are good little found footage films i'm trying to look around for some other ones as well i just really like the idea of using certain camera tricks and having to creatively limit yourself to where the camera that you're following is either on a character's laptop phone or maybe they've picked up their laptop or they've picked up their phone yeah you can't film it normally yeah and you get certain scenes to where like if a character is inspecting something and they put their laptop down you're forced to view it from that and then like you mm. can only see certain angles of certain things I, I think it's quite a good creative thing to to try and uh, do as a director in that so yeah. those have been pretty good a couple of TV seasons one that's just kind of started into that finished uh, Superstore had its uh, fifth season the, the second half of that which we waited a long time for yeah. but uh, they kind of put that out daily um, in terms of uh, was it America Ferrera? America Ferrera, yeah yeah um, her exit and stuff they, they did like a to be continued thing uh, I'm not going to spoil how she's clear leaving the show but it's it's something kind of obvious and something that definitely makes sense it's going to be interesting though because she's the manager of the store yes and they're going to have like, to find someone to replace her and i mean there's plenty of characters still left in the show yeah and uh, we'll see how that goes but uh, yeah they're going to have to do it in the season premiere for, for yeah. next year and she, she is be. coming back i think to do that season premiere because yeah, obviously she was supposed to be completely done with this and uh, although it was the problem that she was also heavily pregnant or will be yeah. done by the time they get back to filming so <laughs> she may have had the baby by the time they come back to filming but yes that was also Possibly. going to be an issue yeah. mm-hmm. discussing standing behind boxes and stuff <laughs> yeah there's, there's plenty of them in the store so well, we'll see. yes see so, yeah, they, they've set up what her exit's going to be but they haven't done that episode yet obviously so uh, yeah. but overall i thought the season was really good i don't think it any worse or it, it's better in some places as well uh still got that very much you know quirkiness to it and, and that's it very much got that office kind of thing to it yeah that's on uh well they take the episodes off pretty quickly on the itv hub so, yeah they've um, not got they've they've only got like a couple of weeks catch up or something on it haven't they yeah, so it's, it comes yeah. off quite fast i think they only had four episodes at once and then like as right. the new one came out the yeah they they left so uh but that's been pretty good that's coming back for another season and we'll see how she leaves mm. uh when with prisoners just come back for uh, its eighth season it does actually have one more season left i was yes. looking up to see if it had been renewed and it's got a ninth season split into two halves so well nine and ten kind of yeah uh, if, if you want to put it that way um yeah show's got kind of a different feel to it and a kind of fresh feel which i didn't actually think it needed but it has helped the show as well yeah um there's something very particular going on with the season which they 
they kind of need to explain. I think that they will at some point, but um, has led to some really, really interesting stuff. I can't say about what that is because it will spoil the previous season and this right. season as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, still good old Wentworth, still some uh, you know original characters left and stuff. Some of them have died, some of them have left and that sort of thing. But yeah, they've got like a new intro sequence and they've just done some different like camera stuff and all that. And it's just generally got a different feel to it as well. Uh, there's some new characters this season who are quite interesting, got some interesting like backstories and stuff. There's been three episodes that I've gone out on. Um, it's actually a Channel 5 show, isn't it? That it I'm, is. I'm watching here. Yeah, it's the first time I've used it since probably either the last season of Wentworth or maybe Border Town, I think. So right, I, yeah. don't, I don't use the My 5 that much. But uh, I'm going to watch episode three later. But I've seen the first two episodes of uh, this ape season. But there's, there's a lot going on at the moment in this ape season, which is pretty good. Keeps it busy and all that. So um, we'll see where the season goes. But uh, very much enjoying that so far. Yeah. Central Park finished on uh, Apple TV Plus and had its season finale. I thought that was a good fun show. That's kind of one of them shows where like I can do a little bit of you know promotion of stuff on Twitter while I'm kind of background watching a bit, but still like, you know, look up for important moments and things. Music's pretty good. I like what they did with the characters and what they did with Josh Gad with his character and stuff. Yeah. Overall, it was just a good fun season, you know, 25 minutes a, a week. Have you seen any more of that? I haven't watched any more. I have watched the first episode of it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, it's a quite a fun musical thing. It's got Kirsten Bell in the first season, although she's actually been replaced in the second season, although they oh. are talking about bringing her back. It's because she's playing a mixed race character and they decided that that wasn't really appropriate. I think she will be in the second season, but voicing somebody else instead because she was uh, voicing Molly in the first season and she's going to be replaced by Emmy Raver Lampman from Umbrella Academy. Plays Alison in the Umbrella Academy. Oh, okay. And I think she did one of the Broadway versions of uh, Hamilton. So, I mean, she's got a background in musical theatre as well. She will be taking over the voice of Molly, but they're talking about bringing Kirsten back to voice a different character. Okay. So uh, it's got some great people in there, but like David Diggs is in there, who is also another Hamilton person. Uh, Josh Gad also st- obviously started out in musicals and did Frozen and stuff. They've got some some great, great voices in there. It's And it's a really fun show and the music's really good and good animated series on Apple. And obviously it being animated, it's, it's less affected by the pandemic stuff. So, you know, it yeah. should... Uh, should be bringing that back fairly quickly I would have thought well at least they've got a good actress to, to replace Kristen then yes so that's yeah. good and, but, and as uh, I say Kristen will they, they were talking about Kristen coming back as somebody else yeah that's the stuff I've mainly been up to how about you I've been mainly on Netflix more than anything else uh, I'm still working my way through <laughs> Line of Duty and I'm through season two which I think was even better than season one uh, I'm sort of halfway through season three although other things have got in the way now so I will go back to it but uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching through Line of Duty because it's the first time I've been through that. I know I'm very, very late to it. One of the other things that I picked up this week, I watched the first episode of Biohackers, which is this new German drama. It's about a uh, girl who goes to college to study bioengineering, which is the sort of ability to hack things in DNA. So, uh, you know, there's this thing called CRISPR, which is, I mean, it's all based on real world technology. CRISPR allows you to to hack bits and pieces out of DNA in a relatively cheap way. You can do it pretty much with a basic home setup. And they've got people hacking things like bioluminescent mice and things like that. 
that. It's really interesting. It is a German language drama. It's a really interesting idea. The girl turns up. She's clearly at the university. It certainly seems not just to learn about biohacking, but also there is a bigger thing going on. There seems to be some sort of bigger conspiracy, which it would seem that she's there to learn more about. You know, there definitely seems to be another ulterior motive for her being there. It's an interesting group of characters. Although it is in German, there is a dubbed version as well. So you can watch it in German with subtitles or you can watch the dubbed version. The dub's actually pretty good. I did try it both ways, but because there's a number of bits of technical jargon and the fact the characters talk quite quickly, I ended up putting the dub on instead because it was just easier to catch everything. Uh, plus, yeah. it was quite late I, when I was watching. I usually do uh, English dub for yeah. foreign stuff. So I'm doing it with Ghost of Tsushima. And, and as I've always said, with a lot of people are put off by like not watching foreign things because of subtitles and stuff don't let that put you off you know mm. there's there's lots and lots of good things out there I remember when I went to see earlier this year when things were more normal um, <laughs> when I went to see Parasite and that had subtitles and stuff so there's lots and lots of good foreign things out there to, uh, to go and experience absolutely so, and like yeah. I say it, there is a dub version of this and the dub is actually pretty reasonable on it as well so um, mm. it's, it's certainly very watchable it's a very interesting story it's a subject area that's not really been covered all that much on TV drama so I'm quite interested to see where they go with that uh, I've only watched the first episode so far mainly because Lucifer's came back on and it's the first half of season 5 it's just brilliant that show I'm thoroughly enjoying where they're going with that this season as it was revealed in the trailer you've got double Tom Ellis at the opening few episodes because whilst the last season ended up with Lucifer taking his seat back up in hell you also get introduced to his brother Michael in this season who is his twin so he gets to play like a slightly different version of himself essentially so uh, you it, it's quite interesting because they actually play Michael with an American accent so he's sort of jumping between Lucifer who has his Tom Ellis's proper English accent and then he has an American accent which he uses for Michael that's kind of quite good fun it's show actually that CW I feel missed a trick not picking that up when Fox dropped it because it would be the perfect replacement for not that anything can actually replace Supernatural but it, it very much fits into that mould of being yeah. a show that's kind of angels, demons it allows you to do some funny weird things with it like this season they've had an episode of Lucifer where they're on the set of a show called El Diablo which is actually shot at WV Studios and there is a murder and El Diablo is basically based on Lucifer life um, so so they've got that which I mean is something that we have seen done before in things like Supernatural you know they've they've done a thing with the Supernatural boys ending up on a TV show about Supernatural and they've you know that's been sort of one of the things they've so they've done stuff like that in Supernatural there's also a bit of black and white episode as well which is Lucifer relating a story set in the 40s and uh, the, you know it uses the cast but sort of all done in black and white and in 40s gear that's quite a fun one as well. I like the fact that they're, they're playing with the format a little bit this time around, but it does
does very much have that kind of supernatural throw everything at it and just do whatever you like sort of feel to it very watchable very fun i haven't got to the end of it yet i'm about six episodes in i think there's eight episodes in this first half of the run i'm really enjoying it though and i'm looking forward to to finishing that off also watched the first episode of stargirl very very much enjoyed that as gray tweeted out when he started watching the first episode he's like yeah. stargirl opening <laughs> sequence that's how you start a new show because the opening sequence to that is pretty spectacular one of the interesting things about this show was i knew it included some of the jsa characters and i'd always assumed that it was going to be set sort of in a slightly different time period you know it was going to be a bit more historical and it isn't it's set in modern day and um i think it works really well the sort of passing of the torch you know i the timing is a bit weird because you know the the opening sequence is the jsa getting taken down by a bunch of bad guys and you see starman in action and sort of what happens there that is meant to be sort of historically in the past although the past being kind of only seemingly 20 years ago or so you know it's not that long ago whereas in the comic books you know the jsa is, is a much older organization so it's sort of interesting to see that we don't know it is Belanti is involved in it, but we don't know whether it, it's going to get folded in, you know, because it is now airing on CW and HBO Max in the US. So we don't know whether it's going to get folded into the Arrowverse stuff or not, or whether they're going to keep it as a separate entity. And certainly there are ways you could fold that in together, but we'll, there, there is sort of now this wider multiverse, which we'll get into later on in the show, because that's kind of become quite a big thing. I watched the uh, first few episodes so far. I really like it. I think it's really good. I like the character of Courtney and uh, all the other characters they've kind of set up. What's going on with the show? Uh, it does very much feel like it fits the CW mold. Because yeah. if you look at something like Doom Patrol and Titans, that's very much... And it's more Harley Quinn as, And Harley yeah. Quinn as well, I guess. Uh, that's much more like adult and more darker and things like that. And I know that things like Black Lightning and Arrow could get dark at some points, but not like sort of Titans yeah, dark, I guess. Yeah, this is very much a more sort of... Not quite legends but sort of flash and supergirl tone um, yeah. in there so uh, yeah I, I really liked it I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the season should be good yeah uh, and it's good that it's got a uh, UK home as well it'll be interesting to see because yeah. we, we've kind of got used to with Titans it coming out what January usually mm. like a few months after once the season's done it'll be interesting to see how Amazon treat this in the UK whether or not it is weekly with HBO and, and CW or if it's just going to be a box set afterwards but I yeah. guess we'll find out when season 2 comes out what, what do you think they might do I don't know at the moment because because I guess it depends on what they buy, doesn't it? Yeah, it will. Maybe. It, it it may be one of those that drops as a box set after it's aired in the US. It may be one that they put out weekly, which I think is what they've been doing with Doom Patrol. So I don't know. I, I don't know how they'll handle it moving forward. But um, I, I would hope they put it out weekly. I'd like to see them do it that way. As I say, that's what yeah. they've been doing with Doom Patrol. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, to watching the rest of it. Because again, I'm, I'm trying to get through the whole of Lucifer and then I'll go on to Stargirl and right. then I'll go back to Biohackers and Line of Duty. <laughs> Plus it helps that it's 13 episodes and not 23. Yes, so, there is that. Yeah, there is that as well. It definitely helps. Um, one other thing that popped up this week was there was some news floating around that Will Smith is looking to reboot The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I, I did you hear about this, this story? I don't know whether... Yeah. 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 So you kind of looked at it and if you saw the headline, you would have looked at it and gone, oh yeah, okay, fine. He's going to reboot it and I bet Jaden's going to be in it and it'll just be like, you know... It 
it will be a vehicle for his son and that sort of stuff. And then when you actually go and look at it, and there is a trailer for it as well, which was a spec trailer done by a guy called Morgan Cooper. And he's a YouTube creator and he did it as a, as a YouTube project for a show called Bel Air rather than the full Fresh Prince of Bel Air based on the ideas of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And it's not at all what you might have thought it was from the headlines. Essentially, what he did was Morgan Cooper, inspired by the original Will Smith sitcom, made this trailer, which was a dramatic remake of the <laughs> sitcom. So it takes all the beats of the, the idea of what happened in The Fresh Prince. So it's kid from Philly. He's out on the basketball court. He gets into trouble and gets in a fight with a bunch of other people. But in this particular instance, gets arrested and his mother calls Uncle Phil to bail him out of jail and oh. insists that he needs to move to Bel Air to live with his uncle because she wants him on the right track and it's a sort of better, safer life for him. He then has to try and fit into this new environment where he's basically this street punk that has to fit into this sort of upper class school and move forward with his life. The trailer for it is brilliant. So much so that Will Smith actually heard about this, went and saw the trailer, and pretty quickly after it went online, he then contacted Morgan Cooper about it and said, I love this. It's a brilliant idea. Let's try and make it a reality. And got together with him and started to pitch this idea of a dramatic remake to various kind of streaming services and stuff. It's one of these weird situations where, you know, uh, I mean, the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was a thing that kind of picked Will Smith out of obscurity and thrust him up onto this massive, massive sitcom. This is kind of the same sort of thing, but with a, with a kind of modern twist behind the scene of taking this guy who had been producing these YouTube videos and suddenly thrusting him into this big show. There is some mirroring going on there as well. There are videos with Will talking about it and he sort of said, you know, we get to go back to the beginnings and start talking about my real experiences. So for example, when he moved to LA and started The Fresh Prince, all his friends back in Philly were getting killed and going to jail. The escape that he made in real life was the escape that Will made in the show. So he gets to kind of look at that and also went on to say, as funny as the episodes are, there are whole layers that you couldn't do in the sitcom format. Whereas in a one hour drama, you can do these longer arcs. You can look at things that they covered in the show, but couldn't do fully because of the fact that it was a sitcom format. And you could actually use some of the plot lines that they used in the TV show, but they wouldn't feel like the same thing because you're doing them from a dramatic perspective instead. It's just a really intriguing idea. But uh, if you remain unconvinced by this, go onto the website and, and look up Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because the trailer we have up on the website, it's called Bel-Air. There's no home for it yet. It's an idea that they are pitching to studios right now. Who owns that? Is it Will Smith himself? It's owned by Universal Television who have the copyrights to the original series. Right. Uh, so it's possible it's something that could end up on Peacock or HBO, yeah. uh, uh, but uh, HBO Max have the streaming rights to the original sitcom at the moment. So it's possible that although it's Universal that own it, could be HBO Max decided that it would be something as an interesting thing to complement the fact that they're running the, the original thing. Amazon and Apple have both expressed interest in it 
as well. Uh, you know, Peacock themselves, of course, would be an obvious one given that it's Universal TV that are involved in it. The show would be co-exec produced and written by Cooper, the guy that came up with the original concept, alongside Chris Collins, who has worked on things like The Wire and Sense of Anarchy and The Sopranos. So, I mean, that gives you some idea yeah, of the that's a, kind yeah, of... Good. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the sort of thing that they're looking at. And Chris Collins would serve as showrunner on it. So I really wish them the best with this. I'd be very intrigued to see this come to some sort of fruition. Um, yeah. In this day and age, when you hear this is being rebooted, that's being remade, etc., etc., uh, sometimes it's not a very good idea and sometimes it is. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by this. I didn't see the uh, original series. I think it's actually on Now TV. I think I've seen it. It probably is, yeah. There. I'm sure it's um, floating around. Yeah, so I need to uh, have a look at that at some point. Yeah. But um, the, yeah, the, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I mean, the original sitcom is actually really good. And there there are episodes of that that, that do get quite dark as well. I mean, I've, the, I've heard stuff about the, it. you know, yeah. the, the original sitcom does have some very dark bits in it, but there is only so far you can go with a show like that. But seriously, if you, if you were skeptical of this, go and look at the trailer and it will really change your mind. It's quite fascinating how he's managed to take all the beats of that original, relatively light, generally sitcom of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and turn it into something much more dramatic. It, mm. It's absolutely fascinating just as a, you know, even just that little trailer is an idea. So uh, I'm I'm really intrigued to see whether this actually ends up going anywhere. But uh, I, I thought that was fascinating. But go and check out the trailer. It's on the website. So that's all the stuff we've been looking at this week. Let's move on to some TV, film and, and gaming news we have this week. Mm-hmm. 
just waiting to find out when they could get back to filming and then Netflix turned around and said we're actually reversing the decision for the second season so it's a really odd one that but uh, yeah that won't be back and and, and both shows actually The Society and I'm Not Okay With This both end on massive cliffhangers unfortunately as well which is Mm. a real real shame do you think somebody else might pick them up maybe or do you think that's quite unlikely Mm, it's difficult I mean The Society maybe if they could get the rights to the first season to rerun that and then something else I mean with The Society would fit on something like CW I guess I don't know whether I'm not okay with this I think that was a slightly more off the wall kind of idea so Mm. I I, I don't know (laughs) but it's a bit weird how um, I know this isn't the fault of people that make the show and that but a bit weird how uh, End of the Effing World was not as good of a show and then ran for two seasons and actually won a BAFTA was it BAFTA? BAFTA yeah and then I'm not okay with this got got killed after one season bit of a shame but uh, yeah I am not okay with this it did look like before Covid that that was going to get a second season as well and they'd started writing second season scripts so both of those I think had the pandemic not happened would have been coming back that's very unfortunate the other thing Netflix have cancelled which I'm completely gutted about is Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj which was brilliant and was sort of multi-award winning it was basically Hassan Minaj doing a sort of daily show thing but in that particular case taking one topic each week and going in depth if for sort of 20 minutes half an hour on one particular topic based around sort of anything from politics to sport to you know something that was in the news at the moment I thought that was superb that series and I think in this particular case it's just that it's not getting enough traction on Netflix and I really hope that somebody else picks up Hassan Minaj to do the same sort of shows somewhere else because he's so so good at it and it's it's really solid but it seems like those weekly release things daily show type things don't go down particularly well on Netflix because they've tried it a few times with a few different people and none of them have ever stuck so it's unfortunate that but uh, yeah I, I'm really sorry to see Patriot Act go and I do hope that Sam and I pops back up on something else because I thought they were brilliant more reversals as well Comedy Central have cancelled Drunk History which was renewed for a season 7 but they've re- reversed that decision and the uh, the sort of clip show Tosh.0 which is going to end at season 12 which is airing in the fall but that was actually renewed up to season 16 and they reversed its decision on that so seasons yeah Yeah. that's basically it's it's lost what three four seasons that and uh, I mean Drunk History had actually started shooting their seventh season and then the pandemic hit and they got shut down but rather than going back again that is now being cancelled in this particular case it seems that that is not a Covid related reversal that is due to CBS Viacom who own Comedy Central, they are trying to move the channel away from live action comedy and toward animated series. You know, we've seen them pick up the Daria spin-off. We've seen them pick up things like Beavis and Butthead and, you know, more seasons of South Park and, and that sort of thing. It seems that they're pushing it more towards adult animation 
and less towards live action comedy for whatever reason. I mean, obviously during COVID that that's an advantage because you can get more stuff out because animation isn't as badly affected. But that seems to be more the decision that's driving it rather than the pandemic directly. It's a shame really because Drunk History, I mean, it got six seasons. I'd, uh, I think they did a UK version of it as well. And it's a, it's a very silly principle for a show of, of basically <laughs> getting people drunk and getting them to relate historical stories. But uh, I rather enjoyed that. I thought it was fun. That's a real shame. So if you've got a live action show that is run by Comedy Central in the US, don't expect it to return because it seems like they're killing them all off at the moment. In terms of renewals, uh, Netflix have renewed Simon Barry's Worrying Them for a second season, which I'm very happy about because that did end on a massive cliffhanger as well. I would have been very upset if had they not brought that back. So I'm very happy that they've picked that up again. Repulse Drag Race has also been renewed for a season 13 along with All Stars that's coming back for a sixth season and the behind the scenes series Untucked is coming back and Sky have renewed the Mel and Sue scripted comedy Hitmen that's coming back for a second season as well I didn't watch any of that so I've no idea whether it's any good or not but apparently they liked it so that's coming back in terms of pickups and advanced air dates Call the Midwife fans will be happy to know has returned to filming for its 10th anniversary Christmas special so that's going to kick off with the Christmas special this Christmas and then we'll move on to the 10th season of the show Call the Midwife will be returning I guess one of the advantages of shooting a medical drama is a lot of people are already wearing masks on it so I think Grey's Anatomy is going to have a Covid story in right, this next okay. season I mean, That's o- that I obviously they can't use a Covid story for Call the Midwife but you might have a lot more scenes <laughs> where they're, they're doing surgeries and stuff or they're, they're kind of or they're masking themselves a bit more so uh, but we'll see but yes that mm. will be back for uh, 10th season and it will traditionally releases in january after the christmas special launches on christmas day so um, but we'll we'll see how they structure that carnival row season two which had had its filming suspended due to covid went back to uh, czech republic i think they were filming and went back to the czech republic they finally finished the last couple of weeks that they needed to on season two so that will be returning filming is now wrapped on season two of that which is great news because i've really enjoyed the first season it's good to hear about certain things actually returning to filming yes. as well uh, like I think Batman's supposed to be going into production as well and, and c- certain other things I've slowly heard about uh, returning to filming which is good yeah, yeah there does seem to be a pickup of things starting to get back to filming again which is good you know I'm glad we are in that territory where things are get, beginning to be able to find their way back on cameras so that's mm-hmm. good BBC3 has picked up the US comedy Aquafina is Nora from Queens which uh, stars Aquafina in the uh, leading role in a sitcom I, I'm old so I have no idea who Aquafina is but I, I think she's a musician as well but uh, yes I, I don't know <laughs> uh, so yes it's been going down really well in the US massive massive ratings could be one to go and check out but that's coming to BBC 3 at some point later this year we don't know exactly when BBC 2 picks up Samuel L. Jackson's Enslaved The Lost History of the Transatlantic Slave Trade docuseries which has been garnering quite a lot of interest I think that looks like it could be a really interesting show. I think it, it went out as six parts in America, but the international version they're selling is in four parts. I'm guessing because that's taken all the ad breaks out of it, I would assume. 
YouTube. <laughs> uh, but so so it can kind of be compressed a bit more. But uh, yeah, so it's going to be a four part documentary internationally. Pretty much does what it says on the tin. It's uh, lost history of the transatlantic slave trade, which could be really interesting. So uh, that's one to watch out for. I think on BBC Two. Alibi has picked up the Canadian police drama Hudson and Rex to premiere in the UK. No air date for that yet, but uh, if you're guessing by the title, it's kind of a TV version of Turner and Hooch, the old film with Tom Hanks, but with Canadians. Essentially, it's it's a, a, a cop and his dog solving crime. I mean, that's basically what it is. But uh, yes, so that that's coming to Alibi at some point in the future. Over in the US, Peacock has picked up the Clueless TV series, which is uh, going to be a recast, obviously, version of Clueless, although it has got a slight sort of mystery twist to it. Clueless, obviously, massive, massive 90s movie. The new series is described as Mean Girls meets Riverdale. It's set in present-day LA and follows follows, uh, Dion, who was the BFF of Cher, who was the main focus of the film. But Cher has actually gone missing in this. So it's a look at what happens when the high school Queen Bee Cher disappears and our lifelong number two Dion steps into Cher's vacant Air Jordans. That's the setup for it. It comes from some of the writers behind Will and Grace. At least they're not doing a direct take on it. They're, they're kind of managing to massage it into something slightly different, which I think is interesting. That's been picked up by Peacock in the US. So there is a chance that we may end up with that on Sky over here when they actually start filming it, which of course it hasn't actually started yet. They've just announced the pickup of it. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. That's an interesting one. Showtime has picked up an astronaut comedy called Moonbase 8. It's only actually a fairly short run. I think it's only six episodes. That stars John C. Riley, Fred Armiston, and Tim Heidecker as three astronauts who are in the NASA Moonbase training simulator. And they're each sort of hoping to be the people picked for the first lunar mission. They're working vigorously to complete their training. Uh, the series as well, unsuspecting circumstances forces the astronauts to question their own mental sanity, trust in each other, and whether or not they're cut out for space travel. So it's sort of a workplace comedy, but set in, in this moon-based simulator in Arizona. And uh, I mean, it's got a good cast behind it. I think it sounds like it could be quite fun and quite funny. It's six episodes. going to be premiering in the fall on Showtime in the US. That may mean it ends up on Sky Comedy or Sky Atlantic in the UK, although that doesn't always follow with Showtime series because it sort of depends what the deals are behind the scenes for that. But uh, there is a chance that it may end up on probably Sky Comedy in the UK, but we'll have to wait and see. But that sounds like it could be quite interesting. Um, There's a few advanced air dates as well. Criminal, which was a great, interesting idea. It's that show that was on Netflix and it was all set in the interview room of the police station. Uh, David Tennant... Uh, David Tennant and Hayley Atwell were in the first season. So the the idea for that show is that the police officers are the regular cast and the criminal that gets brought in is a guest star. So they haven't announced any of the guest stars yet, but they have said that it will be airing on the 16th of September, which is a Wednesday. Season two mm. comes for that. I think it's four episodes as well this time around. That was really good. I mean, I don't know how you follow up on Hayley Atwell and David Tennant. But I know, we'll see. yeah. 
that, that's that's two pretty big ones especially i mean yeah they're both they're both great so yeah um but no i thought that was kind of interesting and yeah you get the same like you know detectives and that but you get a different person each time i yeah. thought it was quite cool yeah, so, yeah. yeah i think it's an interesting idea and uh i'm glad they've managed to shoot a second season on it because i wasn't aware that the second season was coming until they made that announcement so uh, Me neither. Yeah. 16th of september that's landing on netflix utopia which is the amazon remake of the much beloved channel 4 series that's coming on the 25th of september they're on our trailers and stuff up on the website for that it does look quite interesting and i'm very intrigued to see what they do with it because the original series was cruelly cut short so i'm very intrigued to see what they do with this new amazon version of of the story i know they've changed story elements so it's not going to be a direct remake they've added characters and moved things around a little bit it's a really solid cast so 25th of september for that on amazon prime and then we have the crown season four which has got an air date it's actually going to be a little bit earlier this year it's going to be the 15th of november which is a sunday it's premiering it seems like an appropriate show for a sunday i think the crowd um, yeah for, yeah you know so uh, sunday 15th of november that's launching also literally after you know we recorded the show a little early we recorded it on on sunday last week and uh almost immediately after we finished recording they announced elizabeth desbicki who you may know from the night manager is probably the biggest role she's had so far she will be taking the role of diana in the fifth and sixth season that's not the season that's coming up that will be the two seasons afterwards so right uh, right so that's the season four premiere day but she's in season five yeah she's season season cool. five and six cool. but season four which will be the last season for the current cast that's coming on the 15th right, of november the two and two thing yeah, yeah. so so yeah because they do two seasons and then they switch the cast out 15th of november 2020 then won't be airing next year because every time they change the cast they have a longer break it's not on air next year and then it will be back in 2022 for season five so mm. um yeah but i am looking forward to that because the crown is a brilliant brilliant show also announced was a revival of leverage which follows a team of reformed criminals who are like modern day robin hoods who use their unique set of skills to fight corporate and government injustice inflicted on ordinary citizens the original series ran between 2008 and 2012 they are bringing back most of the original cast with the exception of timothy hutton who was the kind of leader of the group will not be returning because he had a number of allegations made against oh, him so okay. uh, yeah he he is not coming back they've effectively replaced him with a new character which is going to be played by noah Weil from er and uh, various other things although er is probably something that people really remember him for he's going to be joined by gina bellman who returns as sophie christian kane who's back as elliot beth risegraff who is back as parker and aldis hodge who is set to return as alec who was the hacker in the series although that's going to be a recurring role because he's also on showtime series city on a hill where he's a series regular so uh, i think they've introduced a new character into there who will play his daughter who he's going to kind of fill in the bits in between i think is the idea for that so um cool. it's not a reboot it is a continuation of the original series with mainly the same cast don't know where that might land over here it's coming on to imdb tv huh? imdb tv's picked up a few shows recently they haven't got that many originals but uh it's, <laughs> i've it's, never uh, heard of that no what? neither had i until a few months ago it's actually an amazon channel it's not oh, actually an amazon right. owned thing but it's one of those things that comes up as an amazon channel oh, and they've got uh, quite a few on there different channels yeah 
they've yeah. so they've got different channels on there. It's not launched internationally yet, although they are talking about possibly doing that because a lot of the content that is on IMDb TV is stuff that they've brought in. You know, like I think one of the reasons they're doing this is because they reran the original series. They had the streaming rights to the original series. Okay. So it is one of those channels that you pay like an extra five pound for. But we don't know where it may land in the UK. It may go on to, you know, maybe IMDB TV launches over here and it goes on to that. It may be that it ends up on Amazon itself. It may be that it goes somewhere else completely entirely. No idea at the moment, but we'll we'll let you know when we hear a bit more about that. That's all the air dates and pickups and stuff. The main news this week, of course, is DC Fandom, which mm-hmm. was the huge eight-hour... Uh, well, I mean, they say 24-hour, but it was basically eight hours repeated three times. It was a huge event that ran on Saturday. Unlike a lot of the other Comic-Con-style things, this was an eight-hour live stream which ran all the panels back to back. So there was no kind of, oh, I can't watch this because it clashes with this. It was literally panel after panel after panel. They ran everything live. I actually rather enjoyed them doing it this way because you got some of the buzz that you get from doing these Comic-Con style things because things were being announced live, which means that Twitter was following along and there was a lot of buzz on Twitter when there were announcements made and trailers were dropped and you weren't having people finding stuff on their own time they have actually split the event into two parts so there is another one coming in a couple of weeks which is going to be more like comic con at home was where they will be dropping the panels on time releases and you will be able to go on and kind of search your way through and watch them at your leisure with this it was a live stream so you basically had to sit and watch it for eight hours that was pretty much it which i did and i was uploading news as it came through which was a little bit tricky because you couldn't pause it to kind of take quotes out or anything like that. But, you know, it was really fun to be able to just sit and watch. And they announced some great stuff as well. So we're going to go through all the stuff that was announced at DC Fandom. Did you watch any of it? The actual live stream wasn't working for me on, on right. their website, which, yes. by the way, by the way, they should have streamed it on YouTube, uh, YouTube. and Twitch. And, yeah, 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 that would have made sense. That was, that was a very weird choice. Uh, but I did watch the trailers as they were coming out because they were released on DC's YouTube channel and probably other yeah. YouTube channels as well. I sat and basically 6pm until about 2am, 2.30am they ran it and uh, I sat and watched the whole thing in one go and was sort of, you know, on the panels that I was slightly less interested in I was typing up stories so it was right. kind of a crazy, crazy evening but there was loads and loads of news. We'll kick off with the games. So they announced two big games. First one was Gotham Knights which comes from WB Games Montreal who were the people that made Batman Origins, the sort of the Batman Arkham game that that wasn't quite as well received as some of the others but uh, Gotham Knights I thought looked really interesting because it starts off from a really intriguing point in that Batman is actually dead or supposedly dead Uh, I mean (laughs) I think what you're actually probably going to find out when we actually get to the end of that game is that Batman isn't dead at all and he's been kidnapped or and held hostage or something but um, the premise of it though according to the trailer is uh, it start opens with Bruce Wayne releasing a sort of time message to say if you're seeing this then I'm dead it's up to you to look after Gotham and he sends it out to the rest of the Bat family so that leaves 
Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood and Robin the task of keeping Gotham safe in his absence. So the premise of the game is that you can play as uh, Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood and Robin. The version of Robin is Tim Drake. So Red Hood, obviously Jason Todd, uh, Nightwing, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. So those are the versions they've gone with. Each has their own slightly different style and, you know, like um, Tim Drake's a sort of expert fighter and genius level detective. Jason's, uh, well, angry, very strong, weapon skilled, uh, <laughs> you know, sarcastic, dry wit. You've got Dick Grayson, who's the sort of leader and has his um, staffs and stuff to fight with. And then you've got Barbara, who is the fighter and hacker of the group. They're using the Belfry as the base of operations, which is a sort of secondary kind of bat cavey sort of thing that's set up in a bell tower in the center of Gotham so that's going to be the main base of operations we know that the Court of Owls are involved which is one of the things that makes me think that Bruce is probably not dead in this they do reveal in the trailer that the Court of Owls are kind of involved with it but they also put some gameplay footage up which saw Robin and Batgirl face off against Mr. Freeze which I, I thought was quite interesting it looks pretty spectacular though I uh, mm-hmm. I thought the trailer looked really interesting and it's all the sort of Batman games which were brilliant you know I love the Arkham series but I think it's kind of interesting to be able to play as some of the secondary characters and, and use those and have a whole group of them they are saying you can team up in two player online co-op you can play solo as well you don't have to be playing with other people I really enjoy like the look of this I think it could be very interesting yeah it looks very very good when I was watching Batgirl do some of her fighting in this and I was thinking of the Avengers game that's coming out which I have said looks kind of generic and boring the, the yeah. Avengers game I'm talking about this just looks a lot more fluid a lot more kind of yeah. just a lot better overall and um, yeah I mean we've been waiting a long time to hear about this I mean they've been teasing it since well for, for at least a couple of years now uh, I think the premise is interesting having kind of this like is Bruce dead or whatever and then you've got you know the Court of Owls in there who I'm not too familiar with but I'm sure the game will tell me more yeah. about them um, I do think the idea of switching between the four of them is quite cool and doing different missions. I'm sure you'll probably have certain missions where you maybe have to play as one of them. Probably, um, yes. Yeah, it looks good for the, the idea that they're kind of putting putting out there. Yeah, so. they haven't given an exact release date for this, but they are saying it's coming in 2021. So presumably it will be released for Christmas this year, I suspect. It's it's coming out on Xbox One and Xbox Series X. It's going to be on PS4 and PS5, and it's going to be on PC. So yeah. pretty much all the modern platforms and PC. Mm. If you, I am surprised it's going to be on Xbox One and PS4, because when mm. I was looking at the, the two upcoming DC games that we know about, the Suicide Squad and uh, this game, I kind of thought like, okay, they're, they're probably next-gen not necessarily launch games, but just next-gen games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a bit surprised by that, but uh, we'll see how it works out. But I, I thought it looked it looked pretty good. Yeah, I, I do, like, do like the look of that quite a lot. The other game, which you've just mentioned, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which we didn't get any gameplay footage of this because it's not due out until 2022. But this one comes from Rocksteady Studios, who are the main people behind the Batman Arkham series. This is only going to be coming out on next-gen. This is Xbox Series 
Series X, PS5, and PC. As the trailer kind of explains, it's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League takes place in a open world metropolis. It follows Harlequin, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and King Shark, who are taking on the impossible mission to save Earth and kill the world's greatest DC superheroes, the Justice League, who, judging by the trailer, have been turned evil somehow. Um, yeah. That seems yeah. to be the, the <laughs> premise for it, which I think is a really interesting idea. I really kind of like the idea of this because you get to play with some of the villains, which you don't usually get to play with, which I, I think is quite interesting. Again, it can be played solo or as a multiplayer co-op. So there is that option in there. Harley Quinn and Deadshot and King Shark and Boomerang all have their own unique set of moves and skill sets and you know ways that they move around the city as well. This is quite interesting as two different setups for, for games. You know, you've got one where you're playing group, which is the heroes, and you've got one where you're playing group, which is the villains, but trying to be heroic. It's interesting that they've all gone for these group games, these you know, over the next couple of years, because Avengers obviously is also a Greek game as well. Yeah, because the only superhero running game series at the moment that's sort of not doing that is uh, the Spider-Man one. Yeah. But yeah, I thought this looked kind of interesting. Like like you said, we haven't seen any gameplay yet, but interesting little sort of change up from uh, Rocksteady, you know, still sticking with DC, but changing to the villains. I like the choice of the characters. There's some of the characters I care more about in the Suicide Squad, like Deadshot and Harley Quinn and, and some of the other characters. I just kind of want, like you're looking at that trailer at the end and you've got like, this fully powered Superman and you've got these like clearly underpowered villains against yeah. him. I, I kind of wonder, I mean, we'll see where the story goes obviously as to how they do kill the Justice League or if they do or what happens. But yeah, you, you kind of look at that scene at the end of the trailer and I think it's Captain Boomerang maybe that says like, oh, that's who we're supposed to kill. And you look at Superman, you think, okay, how are you supposed to do that? Yeah. But, We'll, I, we'll see. It's, I suppose. it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. And uh, I like the people that they've picked up because they are people that you know fairly well, either from the films or the TV shows. I mean, Harley, obviously, is Harley Deadshot you had in the last movie. You've got Captain yeah. Boomerang, who's in the last movie, King Shark, who is in the upcoming movie and has been on the TV show. Although the TV show version is a somewhat dumbed down version of King Shark. Yeah. Whereas in this, he's much more talkative and more intelligent. Mm -hmm. uh, this is he's, closer he's to the on two really because it was on the Flash and on uh, Harley yeah, the, Quinn. the Harley Quinn yeah. animated series he's closer to yeah. the Harley Quinn animated series version as well yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah I really like the people that they picked because they're very very different and this could be a really interesting game but you're going to have to wait until at least 2022 for that because they've said 2022 but you know what game releases are like they tend to slip so we'll see but uh, it's interesting with the 2022 thing because uh, Arkham Knight was 2015 they did the little Batman Arkham VR game but yeah that's almost like you you know, seven years of development by that point assuming yeah. they started in around 2015 yeah uh, it's a long long time but uh kingdom hearts 3 took like 15 years or something so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah some games you can do annualized like an assassin's creed and some take you around a decade so, yes yeah so yeah. We'll, we'll see but uh yeah i am looking forward to both those i think they're going to be really interesting ones to play moving on to the tv and film stuff one of the most interesting things that came out came out of a couple of different panels and an interview with director of the Flash movie as well, which came out the day before the uh, whole fandom launched. 
that is there is a change of attitude internally at DC about how the film and TV universes are going to interact with each other. Because if you've watched sort of previous interviews and you know, read stuff when we've talked to some of the cast members, the TV cast members particularly have talked about like the fact that they were starting to build a suicide squad on Arrow and were then told, oh, well, we've got a movie coming out. You can't use the suicide squad. Mm. Um, and there have been a few points where DC have basically stopped any form of character that might be appearing in a film franchise they've stopped them from appearing on tv we did see them start to relax that a little bit when they allowed superman to appear in the arrowverse but they have now openly started to embrace the idea of a multiverse where everything in every platform exists in one multiverse Part of this comes from one little scene, which seemed like a little bit of fan service for the Crisis of Infinite Earth TV crossover, but rather helped push the idea forward in DC that there could be a multiverse and all these things could exist. It was the scene when Ezra Miller's Flash meets Grant Gustin's Flash in Crisis of Infinite Earth, which was all shot very last minute. They kind of came up with the idea internally of, of this and sort of said yeah well do you think Edra would do it and they kind of asked him apparently the phone call they were like halfway into the first sentence and Ezra was like yep sign me up I'll be there don't worry <laughs> um, they did do a little bit of a, of a panel for the Flash which didn't really announce a huge amount of information but the more I see Ezra Miller just talking about it and his enthusiasm for it the more I see him as Barry Allen he's a perfect bit of casting I love Grant Gustin's version of it on TV but Ezra is superb and I'm really excited to see the film. So one of the things with the idea of the multiverse, they were sort of talking just before DC fandom, Andy Machete, who is the director of the Flash movie, one of the big headline things from that interview was the fact that we're going to see Ben Affleck again in the Batsuit, and he will be coming back for that film. We also know that we're going to get Michael Keaton back as Batman, Bruce Wayne, in that movie as well. What Andy said was the movie is a bit of a hinge in the sense that it presents a story that implies a unified universe where all the cinematic iterations that we've seen before are valid. It's inclusive in the sense that you're saying that what you've seen exists and everything that you will see exists in the same unified multiverse. So the Flash movie is going to kind of set the idea of things like the Joker movie does exist in the same multiverse as the Titans TV show and Doom Patrol and the Arrowverse and the Snyder films. They're all part of one multiverse and there are potential points where you could have them cross over. So whilst they are their own separate entities, there are points where you could see them join together as well. I think that's quite fascinating that they've actually decided we are going to embrace this moving forward. I think it's a really useful twist rather than just saying, no, we can't have two Batman or no, we can't have two Superman. They're now sort of saying that on, you know, you can have Batman, you could have Superman on TV, despite the fact that we've got new film versions coming out. You can have, you know, a TV Wonder Woman and a film Wonder Woman. It's fine. So yeah, I mm -hmm. think that's a much healthier way because it allows 
allows, yeah, they went on to sort of say, we're in this weird position where we actively, as a company, were stopping fans seeing characters they love because we were trying to kind of be overly precious with them in some respects, you know, of, of holding them either for film or for TV. And we just come to the realization that we don't need to do that. Fans understand that these things can all exist in some way. And it doesn't matter if there's a TV version and a film version, they're not going to get confused. It's fine. You know, I mean, we've got a few different versions of Harley Quinn at this point as well, you know. So, yeah, it's interesting DC's approach to this whole thing. Cause like with Marvel and stuff, they spent 10 years yeah. building up this, this singular kind of universe. And there was, you know, one Iron Man and one Captain America and all that. And now, seemingly with Doctor Strange and with One Division, they're going to do the multiverse thing with that. It seems to me like with DC, there's a lot riding on this Flash film. And yeah. uh, given like all the change of directors and some of the writing problems that they've had, I just kind of wonder like, okay, it's cool that you've got Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck in, in there to do the different Batman, I suppose. Mm. It sort of seems like, okay, instead of going back to, okay, let's do a solo Batman, a solo Superman, a solo Flash. Obviously, you've got Aquaman 2 coming out. They've done Aquaman and stuff. It sort of seems like they're trying to skip over that part a little bit now mm. and go, okay, we got some stuff. It's a little bit all over the place because we got so many different things. But don't worry, they're all kind of together. And like I said, when they do this, it seems like it's probably going to be a Flashpoint film. Then this Flash film, is. which is an odd, yeah. which is an odd thing to do before you give Ezra his solo film, which they should have done before Justice League. But you know, obviously we've gone past that now. If this Flashpoint film doesn't work out as much as they want it. To to, and they go back to where they were before, like Justice League sort of era, where, where things are falling apart a little bit. What do they kind of do then? Um, yeah, so, I mean, so I'm just kind of wondering how they'll go about trying to rebuild what DC is doing at this point. Yeah, I guess. Yes, I agree with you. There is a lot riding on this Flash movie. And mm -hmm. yes, it is going to be something of an adaptation of Flashpoint, which we've seen them do on TV as well. Uh, basic premise of Flashpoint being that Barry Allen goes back in time to stop the death of his mother and messes up the timeline and the multiverse in the process of doing that, which is why we've got two different Batman in this. I like the idea that they're setting this up because, of course, we've got a new Batman movie coming with Robert Patterson. They have actually said that that will be its own separate universe to the rest of the Justice League stuff. So whilst we could have some crossover with it, what we referred to as the Snyderverse, which is the Justice League characters of sort of you know, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, I guess the new Black Adam and Shazam and those characters, those are all going to exist within that sort of Snyderverse and the Flash, the Batman universe will be a separate entity to that and will be a different part of the multiverse, which allows Matt Reeves to be able to mess around and expand that in a slightly different way without having to worry about tying it into those other characters. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of okay with that. I, th I think that's an interesting idea. Um, mm. It also means that Ben Affleck, should he wish to return to Batman again, can still do that because he is still Snyder's Batman and he will stay as Snyder's Batman. So... Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that works. I just sort of wonder, like, okay, you've you've gone to do a Flashpoint film before you've done Flash's solo film, and also who is Superman at the moment? There's obviously been chats and rumours and whatever about okay Henry Cavill coming back, which was nowhere to be seen during this whole thing. Yes, and then you're doing a Flashpoint film, okay, post that. Yes, you've got Tyler as Superman on 
CW, like the Arrowverse stuff. And yes, that's supposed to be part of this whole multiverse thing. But film wise, they've got no Superman at the moment. Henry Cavill, I guess, could come back at some point. But well, that was not announced at all. So, yeah, I think what yeah. this is, what this establishes is that the Snyderverse Superman is still Henry Cavill, regardless of whether he's appearing yeah, in anything. He's just, he's just not in anything yeah, new at the moment. He's not yeah. in anything new at the moment, but that is that version of Superman. Now, yeah. there could potentially be another Superman that pops up in Matt Reeves's part of the multiverse attached to that Batman. You could have a version of Superman that pops up there. Now, that could be Henry Cavill, or it could be somebody else entirely. We don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. but either way, that works. You know, mm -hmm. it's a separate part of the multiverse, but it could be that it's the same actor playing him. It could be it's a completely different actor. Because yeah. the advantage of using something like this is you could have the same actor appear. You could have an entirely different actor appear, but it would still make sense. So I'm sort of okay with this. And I like the fact that they're going down this route. I'm very intrigued to see what the Flash movie does. Yeah, because um, there's a lot riding on it. Yeah, so. because there is a lot riding on that. So we'll be very interesting to see that. Internally, the setup of DC seems now to be Jim Lee is the person who is going to be overseeing the entire operation. He's already chief creative officer for DC. So he is the person that has the wider vision of how the multiverse will operate. And he's trying to make sure, I mean, I dread to think he's probably got a wall with like bits of string attached from like one thing to another <laughs> but um, so he, yeah. he's the overall mastermind of everything Greg Berlanti is essentially the person that is behind the DC TV universe whereas Walter Hamanda is the person behind the DC film universe and he's right. the, the man in control of, of all that so it seems like the three of them together are now managing DC's sort of film and TV multiverse and how things will all slot together um, Mm -hmm. What I find hilarious about this, of course, is it means that there is now a multiverse where everybody's Lego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lego Batman. <laughs> yeah, so so there is there is an entire. I mean, that would be hilarious to see them just kind of pop up into the Lego <laughs> multiverse. But during yeah. during you the put, you put Lego Batman in the Flashpoint film. Yeah, um, yeah. during the fandom, there were some lovely little vignette things that they stuck in in between with things like Lego Batman. There was a hilarious one which was Terry McGillis and Bruce Wayne from Batman. Batman Beyond watching Batman 66 episodes and oh. criticizing them of how ridiculous they were, which was just <laughs> the funniest thing. I, those little vignettes I thought were hilarious. It was really good to see all that. And I'm glad that they have got some people that seem to actually have some control over the film and TV universe now. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I yeah. embrace the multiverse, I think is, is yeah. what they're doing. I, I see what they're trying to do. I just have slight doubts that they can pull off all of it yeah but, we'll, we'll, we'll see um yeah. you know and a lot of it does hinge on how well this flash movie lands and whether that mm -hmm. works but Is that 2022 uh, can't remember whether it was, the it end was of supposed 20... to be 2018 <laughs> yeah i can't remember whether yeah. it's, it's 2022 or the end of 2021 but uh yes so there is 
that coming. Speaking of the Snyder stuff, they did release a trailer for the Snyder Cut, which had lots of lots of new footage. The main thing to come out of that panel was the format that it's going to be released in, because that's been unclear. It is going to be four hours long, split into four one-hour episodes when it airs on HBO Max. Obviously, we don't have HBO Max over here. They have said that they are working on ways on distributing it as a four-hour movie as well, and they will be distributing it outside of HBO Max. So there will be other ways of seeing it, either as a four-hour movie or as a four-part TV thing. Either way, I'm perfectly happy. I think it's going to be really interesting to see that version of the Justice League. Adds in a lot more characters. They've added in you know, people like Darkseid is in there. You've got a um, revamped version of some of the other characters. Some of the bits that were chopped out have been put back in. So I, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see this. I think it looks really interesting. That's landing next year, but over here, we don't know exactly when. Although I'd be amazed if Sky doesn't pick this up. Yeah, that's a big one. It'll be interesting, like you said, because I mean, in the 2017 one that we had, characters like Darkseid weren't even in it. Yeah. So that fundamentally changes the film. And then we're supposed to, is it Green Lantern and uh, Martian? Manhunter we're supposed to have or at least Martian Manhunter I think um, yes but potentially there's at least there's at least a few characters that weren't even in yeah. the 2017 film so let alone like the differences in the plot you're going to have whole characters that weren't in the film because Steppenwolf was the, the lead villain wasn't he in yeah, the 2017 and, and one Ste- Steppenwolf is still in there but Steppenwolf is something yeah. of a harbinger for Darkseid and the fact that he became the main villain for that, they've revamped Steppenwolf as well. He's a slightly, looks slightly differently, but mm, different as yeah. well. And uh, I mean, yeah, from look and tone and everything, it just looks just better in, better in yes. every way shape and form I think because they did have those weird like little scene changes didn't they in the 2017 one yeah yeah where you could tell things weren't quite yeah, put together properly the, and, and the, the dreadful CGI removal of Superman's moustache which yeah. is just appallingly bad got yeah. that as well but yeah I thought the trailer was great really looking forward to seeing what Zach has intended for us to see and you get double the amount of time I think the, the yeah, 2017 one was two hours so yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, w- I want to see every single second of it I think it's going to be really really quite good I mean it, I don't I don't think that this film has got to do very much to be better than the 2017 <laughs> one, to be, yeah. to be honest. And, mean, it, and given just from the what couple of minutes worth of trailers that we've seen already, it already looks like it's doing a better job. So yeah. even just from like the simple things, lighting, tone, those yeah. sorts of things. So. I, I think if it can make a more cohesive story and be more of what <laughs> Zach Vision was, I and, think that's a good thing. And look like it was put together properly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, that's one to look out for. As I say, we don't know where it's going to land in the UK yet, but it will land somewhere in the UK, though, undoubtedly. We just don't know where yet. But I would be very surprised if Sky don't work out some sort of deal, either for it to go onto Sky Cinema as a four hour movie or to go onto Sky Atlantic as as a drama. I don't know. Right. But weekly episode. Will yeah. it be? It's probably weekly then, isn't it? HBO Max. Probably, I would have thought. Guess. If they're going yeah. to do it in, in four episodes, but we'll, we'll see. Mm. Sticking with Batman, although the other Batman, Matt Reeves' (laughs) The Batman got a trailer as well. Some interesting bits that popped out about this. The film is set in year two of Batman's crime-fighting career, which skips over the origin story, which I'm quite thankful about because it's not like we need to see that again. Yeah, Uh, I I think everybody knows who Batman is. Yeah, everyone knows how he got (laughs) there and why he got there. Yeah, Um, yeah. And and year two is kind of an interesting point because he's not 
quite figured out how entirely to be Batman at that point. So mm. it's it's kind of an early version of him. There's a comic book called The Long Dark Halloween, I think, uh, which is, is one of the more acclaimed of the Batman books. That seems to be something of a baseline for it, although we have seen elements of that book done in things like Nolan movies and some of the other films. It's not going to be an exact copy of that, but there are certainly elements out of that that are going to be used in this story by the looks of things. What Reeve said was, it's not an origin tale, but you're meeting him in the early days. A lot of the other stories showed he had to master his fear in himself to become Batman. We meet Batman in the middle of what he describes as a criminological experiment and watch him make mistakes. So he's not going to be perfect. He's not going to be the slick character that we've known. I mean, some of the footage that they showed in there was pretty brutal of him wailing on some bad guys. And, And anybody that had any fear about Robert Pattinson taking over this role, I, I think probably had that feel taken away by, by this trailer because yeah, he looks spectacular in it. I'm loving the new suit. The new suit very much, to me, looks very much like a Batman Arkham suit. Um, a little bit, yeah. You know, yeah. There, there are elements of that to it, which I'm all for because I think it's very difficult to do the comic book version, which is much more kind of fabric-based. Um, right. like the more uh, Ben Affleck uh, one. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of difficult to do a genuine, you know, the, the genuine comic book one is kind of more great and black and and he's a bit more fabric based and I think that's quite difficult to do whereas I think using the version which is closer to the Batman Arkham games I think makes more sense but I, I think the suit looked great because this is an early version of Batman he's not only scaring the villains but the public is pretty wary of him as well because he's a relatively new thing to the city but I mean you know if you were a resident of Gotham and some maniac in a bat suit started wailing on people around you you'd probably be pretty like freaked out by yeah, that as well so I think questions. that makes sense the Batsuit itself is something that Bruce builds so it's not something that he's got off the rack from Wayne Enterprises he's not gone to Lucius Fox to sort it out it's a suit that he's put together so it's designed to be sort of practical and it's not perfect it's not polished it's kind of scarred and has bits of earlier encounters from other bad guys and stuff it's not a pristine mm. cape and cowl which I think is kind of interesting the entire premise of this seems to be much more grounded not in the same way that the Nolan movies were but in a sort of mixture of it being a grittier version but a grittier version still embedded within the comic book universe which I rather like the idea of Mm -hmm. Um, he's saying it's a detective story which is something that we haven't seen that much of on screen Batman's been very much more it's been big superhero stories or you know you saw a bit of that with Nolan stuff but you never really saw the detective side of things you never really saw him work stuff out that much and that's always been Batman's thing you know he's a genius detective and you don't really see the detective stuff that much on Mm. screen so I'm kind of interested to see how he handles that he's talking about it being much more of a sort of classic noir influenced by those 70s gritty crime thrillers I think there's a basis for it I think this is sounding like it could be something different to what we've seen before and I'm I'm all up for this I think it sounds great yeah everything we've seen so far for this film has been brilliant I think the trailer was perfect I think the cast from top to bottom is perfect I do also think because I think the the two most notable people probably in the cast is uh, Jeffrey Wright and maybe Robert Pattinson Mm. Uh, some people probably do know who Zoe Kravitz is but I think those that don't think you're going to be very surprised in the best way because did you see Big Little Lies 
Rose? I can't remember if you saw that, but she was I in... I didn't uh, know, but I, I've seen Zoe Kravitz in a few other things and she's great. Yeah, yeah. So I saw her in uh, season one and two of uh, Big Little Lies on HBO, Sky Atlantic. Mm. Uh, and she was brilliant in that. And she's on screen with people like Meryl Streep, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, and some other really big names as well. And she still stands out quite well in that. I think she's a perfect choice for Catwoman. Um, I think the even the little glimpses that we saw of her in this trailer were really, really good. It looks perfect so far from everything. From from uh, Matt Reeves's enthusiasm and his passion for the character. I remember, I think it was about a year or so ago, I did see an interview with Robert Pattinson and he was just talking just about the Batman itself. And I remember, I think from that moment on, from when I saw that interview, I was like, yeah, he's, he seems like he's you know up for this and he's uh, passionate about it as well. Mm. I did actually see, I don't know if you've seen it, that film called The Lighthouse. I saw that last night with uh, William Defoe and Robert Pattinson. No. Um, um, which is more of like this day and age of uh, Robert Pattinson as opposed to his Twilight days. Yeah. Uh, very different actor. He's really matured a lot. And uh, if you want a good example of uh, what he's like now, obviously you see that in this trailer, but uh, Lighthouse is, I think it's two pounds to rent on Amazon, right. which is what I did last night or to buy or whatever. So if you want a good example of that and also a really good performance from uh, William Defoe, that's on Amazon as well. But yeah, I'm, I don't have any issues with anything I've seen so far. Of this yeah. Film. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very, very in for this. Few of the things that came out, it'd been shot in Liverpool, apparently. Yeah. That will be the backdrop rather than using New York or Chicago. I think Chicago was what they use for the Nolan movies. They're using the Gothic architecture of Liverpool as a sort of backdrop for it. And then obviously there's going to be lots of green screen and added stuff in to beef it up a bit. But they are shooting around Liverpool, apparently, for certainly for the, some of the plates to get that look of it, which I, I rather like. I mean, Liverpool has some incredible, incredible Gothic looking architecture. So I, I think that's a fascinating idea as a way of building Gotham City. I lived in Liverpool for, for a few years and I've always thought that it would work really well as Gotham. So I'm really happy that somebody's done that. Um, hmm. okay. the, obviously, they haven't revealed the exact plot of the movie, but he did say his detective story involves around corruption in Gotham City, particularly the police department as well. There is a possible connection, or Bruce worries about what the connection might be to his parents who were heavily involved in the sort of politics of the city and whether they were involved in any of this corruption, whether they knew about it and didn't do anything about it. So the, there is a certain amount of him questioning what he's doing and his parents place in it and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's quite interesting. As it's earlier in Batman's career, it's obviously also earlier in the career of a lot of the bad guys that we meet. So Selina Kyle is not really Catwoman at this point. Paul Dano's Edward Nashton is not the Riddler at this point. And Colin Farrell, who does actually pop up in the trailer, although you would not recognise him in it because he's under very heavy makeup. He looks fabulous though. Uh, he's playing Cobblepot in it. He is known as the Penguin, but it's more of a nickname in the same way as the Gotham TV show. You know, he hated the nickname Penguin. At this point in his life, he doesn't like the nickname Penguin and, you know, he's very much against it. He wants to be known as Oxford Cobblepot. But yeah, the, if you scroll back through the trailer, there is a shot of Colin Farrell in it, which you would not have noticed. And people were pointing it out on Twitter afterwards going, wait, is, is that Colin Farrell? <laughs> um, so he looks brilliant in it. And then, of course, you've got Jeffrey Wright playing Gordon. You've got uh, 
Yeah. John Torrio has Carmen Falcone, who will be a big part of the story. You've got Andy Serkis, of course, playing Alfred. Uh, we don't see Alfred in the trailer, but we do hear the voiceover. And again, I think this is going to be something closer to the Gotham version of Alfred than the Butler version that we've seen in the previous ones. I get rather get the impression this is going to be the slightly more kick-ass version of Alfred we've, that we've seen before, that sort of ex-army in this mm. version. I, I, yeah. I get the impression that's where they're going with it. Roll on whenever they I manage to actually get this out. But I, yeah. I think it's supposed to be October next year, but we'll see if that's still Yeah, we'll see whether that, that lands. But uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so down for this. I'm very, very excited for it. I think it looks fantastic. So moving on to other films, uh, James Gunn came along and uh, the main thing from his, he did drop behind the scenes thing for The Suicide Squad, which is the new film. The main thing he did was reveal who's playing who because we knew what the cast list was. We just didn't know who anybody was playing. So we know Viola Davis is back as Amanda Waller. Joel Kinnaman's back as Rick Flagg from the first movie. Jai Courtney's back as Captain Boomerang and Margot Robbie's back as Harley Quinn. So we knew those four and we knew who they were. The rest of the cast, I mean, there are some deep, deep cuts in here from DC back catalogues. So um, <laughs> it's a really interesting mix of people. Idris Elba is playing Bloodsport, who kind of is a replacement for Deadshot. He's not a new version of Deadshot, but he, there are similarities. High-tech weaponry, lots of big guns, has a teleportation device apparently as well in the comic books. Don't know whether we'll see that on screen, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of, you know, something of a leader of the group, I think, by the looks of things. John Senna is playing Peacemaker, who he's described as a soldier who loves peace so much he's willing to kill for it. Senna described him as kind of an a-hole version of Captain America, which I think is the most <laughs> succinct way you can describe that. David Dushmalshian is playing Polka Dot Man, who is a very silly character. He's basically wears a suit that's covered in polka dots and he can kind of throw them as discs and things and they turn into a variety of devices and stuff. So yeah, very, very odd character. Daniela Melchior playing Ratcatcher two apparently the two is very important who has a control over an army of sewer rats steve Aji, he's playing king shark who uh, obviously that's mainly going to be a cgi character or motion caption character but he is the onset version of king shark nathan fillion is playing a character called tdk which appears to be an original character although somebody did point out that there is a character that seems to be very similar to what we've seen of TDK. We think TDK stands for the detachable kid. And there is a character in DC canon called Arm Falloff Boy, who has the ability to detach his own limbs and can use them as blunt weapons. Which sounds so utterly ridiculous. I think Nathan Fillion is absolutely perfect for that. That is apparently who he's playing. And certainly if you look at the bits and little pieces that they showed, that certainly seems to track because he seems to have detachable arms. So yeah, that's wonderfully weird and strange. Yeah. Mei-Ling Eng is playing Mongol, who is pretty much your sort of all-round superhero, like strength, speed, durability, all that stuff. You've got Flula Borg, who's playing Jack javelin who is essentially an evil version of hawkeye with javelins pretty much um sean gunn is playing weasel who i mean if you're gonna pick somebody to get covered in fur for the role why wouldn't you pick your own brother so uh sean gunn <laughs> is playing a weasel who transforms into a human weasel superhuman strength speed and claws obviously because he's a weasel michael rooker in a spectacular blonde wig is playing a character called savant who is a <laughs> genius hand-to-hand combat works with computers and that sort of stuff 
Pete Davidson is playing Blackguard, whose main feature, certainly in the comic books, is he has armor that allows him to generate a mason shield out of pure energy. Peter Capaldi's playing the Thinker, who um, has control over telekinesis and you know mind control and that sort of stuff, telepathy. We've seen a version of the Thinker on the Flash, haven't we? Yeah, that's quite good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think Peter Capaldi is quite a good pick for that. Definitely. Alice Braga is playing a character called Sol Saria, who appears to be a gender swap version of a character called Juan Saria, who has nanites injected into his hand which gives him the power to unlock objects he touches don't know whether that's going to transform over into this character or not or whether it's going to be something entirely different but yeah that that's who they're playing a couple of other characters storm reed is playing tyler who is Bloodsport's daughter juan diego botto is playing a character called general luna and uh, joaquin costillo is playing a major general suarez by the looks of things. So uh, that's the character cast list for that. They did show some behind-the-scenes footage. I suspect a lot of those characters aren't going to last very long because that is quite a big cast of Suicide Squad yeah. members. Yeah, definitely. So I think you might have one Suicide Squad go in, get killed off almost immediately, and then another squad <laughs> come in. And, and so, But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I am very much looking forward to this. He's clearly somebody that loves his DC comics. He loves the DC history. It's going to be mindlessly violent, I think, throughout in a very, very fun way. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be great fun. Yeah, looks like it's going to be an interesting version of uh, Suicide Squad. And uh, yeah, I think James Gunn's the right person to do this. I mean, he's already done kind of, you know, ensemble stuff with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He can sort of take what he's done with those characters and just do like a more sillier, darker version of that. But obviously with with also more characters as well, as we've just seen from this massive list. This is in... uh, quite good hands and you've got well a number of talented actors and actresses in there I'm still just most excited to see Margot back as Harley yeah looks like it's uh, got some good stuff going for it yeah I think that that looks like it's going to be brilliant sticking with casting Dwayne Johnson revealed that there are going to be a number of Justice Society of America people joining on him on the Black Adam movie they did drop a sort of trailer for Black Adam but they haven't actually shot anything yet so it it was pretty much a bunch of cinematics although it did look really quite impressive sort of introducing the concept of, of Black Adam and you know he's the, the leader of a country called Kandak and he ends the entire panel by say basically saying the balance of power is shifted within the Snyderverse he's coming for them and that sort of stuff so I thought that, that was quite good fun but the JSA members that are going to be on screen they've announced Hawkman Atom Smasher Cyclone and Doctor Fate the only person we know out of that is Noah Centineo who was been in shows like the fosters and uh, he's playing atom smasher but the other people uh, haven't been cast as far as we know yet we've seen versions certainly of hawkman i think we might have seen atom smasher certainly hawkman and dr fate we've seen on things like smallville and they've they've been some of them have been in the arrowverse as well i don't think we've seen cyclone anywhere before we might no, have seen atom so. smasher i'm really kind of interested by that i think that that's an intriguing group of characters to to add in to uh, Black Adam. Dwayne Johnson has been working on getting this to screen for about 10 years. So he is a fan of the character. He's perfect for the role. 
I think that could be a really, really fun movie. But mm-hmm. um, we don't know whether any of the Justice League are going to show up. We don't know whether Shazam's going to show up because Shazam is the character that he's, he's closely related to. There's been some rumours, particularly with this, that Henry Cavill could show up here in a yeah. cameo, which I think is a weird way to treat Superman. To not at the moment give him either a sequel film or a new Superman or whatever and have him show up in a cameo, I think is a, is a bit of a weird choice because, you know, Superman's one of the biggest characters in the world. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's kind of early at the moment to kind of judge what they're going to do with Black Adam film. It's not going to be out for quite some time. Like you said, they haven't shot anything yet. Uh, Dwayne Johnson's cool. He's been in oh, yeah. well, quite a lot of things, obviously. Like you said, sometimes, you know, it's about the, the passion and that and he clearly has that for the film given that, like you said, he's been trying to do this for 10 years. Uh, I think Shazam makes a lot of sense to show up here as well I think that that could be uh, yeah. could be quite good especially as you've got another Shazam film coming out as well yeah. which could tie into that in some way shape or form so it's got some potentially good ideas behind it yeah so. I'm quite looking forward to this because I, I think Dwayne Johnson is incredibly watchable it's a different part of the DC world we haven't seen that sort of the more magic side and uh, yeah. you know because characters like Doctor Fate and even Hawkman to a certain extent have certain amount of magic stuff going on there and we've seen Shazam but we haven't seen a wider sort of thing. They did announce the title for Shazam 2. It's going to be called Shazam Fury of the Gods. They did do a panel for that, although it was a relatively short panel and the only bit of new information that came out of it was the title of the film. It was fun to watch them because Zach Levy is also incredibly watchable. So that was entertaining. Yeah, I, I and he's like a massive a geek as well. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like Zachary Levi a lot. He's really cool. We don't know whether he might show up in this. It's possible because there is a connection to them there. Um, but yeah, Henry Cavill is also one of the only people that could possibly go up against mm-hmm. Black Adam so but he was nowhere to be seen <laughs> yeah so, so we'll, but we'll see yeah back onto TV there was a few Titans announcements for the third season of Titans firstly the fact that it's going to relocate because the first two seasons of Titan were mainly based around San Francisco they're actually moving to Gotham for this new season which means that uh, you can possibly bring in a few more Gotham villains the only one that they have mentioned so far in terms of the well-known Batman villains either Jonathan Crane aka Scarecrow they haven't cast him yet but they have said that he will be an inmate at Arkham Asylum who offers his services as a profiling consultant to the Gotham City PD so uh, that's how I don't how know they... that I'd want any offer from Scarecrow no no I'm not sure I would <laughs> either but uh, no, you know, yeah. I'm fairly sure he's got some sort of ulterior motive considering he's an Arkham inmate as well apparently according to that so yeah. uh, yeah. That, that's a little weird, but uh, they have said that Scarecrow will be making an appearance. In terms of other characters, Barbara Gordon is also going to be making an appearance. And it's not a version that we've really seen much of because it's not going to be Batgirl Barbara Gordon. It's going to be former Batgirl Barbara Gordon. Uh, she's actually going to be commissioner of Gotham PD. So take over daddy's role in this. Right. She yeah. has a past relationship with Dick Grayson. So they've kept that part of the history there. So, you know, she... She did date Dick for a while. She's somewhat wary of the Titans suddenly being in Gotham. They are now this new, this group of heroes all there together who obviously she knows reasonably well because she must have had dealings with the Titans previously. So uh, I think that's interesting. It sounds like they're going to be based out of Wayne Manor as well. I don't know whether that means we're going to get more of Bruce in there. I was uh, going to say, do you think he'll be back? Yeah, whether we'll uh, see him 
suits up. I don't know, but yes, it sounds like Ian Glenn may very mm. well be back. Uh, even he, if he's just probably stays Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess the other character that's coming in is Red Hood, which is going to be played by Karen Walters, who is of course been playing Jason Todd as Robin up until now. Interestingly, the reason for doing it because obviously in the comic books, Red Hood, the reason that Red Hood emerges is because Jason Todd is actually killed in the comic books. Then he's brought back to life by a Lazarus pit. And when he comes back to Gotham, he discovers that Batman has basically done nothing to take down Joker, who was the person that killed him, and goes on a rampage because he's so mad at Batman for the fact that he's refused to avenge his death, even though he's now Mm. alive. So that's what happens in the comic books. This version also has the same sort of thing in that he feels betrayed by the team. We know that Jason Todd's been established as a fairly impulsive character. He takes on the Red Hood because if you remember at the end of the last season he'd been rejected by the team and been told to go away essentially and uh, he decides his new obsession is to take down the uh, the Titans so he's going to be becoming a villain of the Titans in this which mm-hmm. I think works as, as a way yeah, of saying that, that makes a lot of sense yeah it yeah. makes sense it'd be interesting to see because I, I mean you know Red Hood is my go-to cosplay I love Red Hood as a character <laughs> I particularly love the comic book version of Red Hood because I think Jason's just a great character i've liked how they've been playing the young version of robin i'm not sure you know we're going to be transitioning into this kind of middle period red hood or this early period red hood where he's angry and frustrated at the world i like the red hood version that they have in the comics now who is kind of through that you know he's more an anti-hero rather than an out-and-out villain we'll see how how this plays but i'm intrigued to see red hood on screen particularly seeing what the what costume they go with for that as well yeah i'll just keep maintaining that like you know titan season two did disappoint me uh, I, th- I don't think i've kept that a secret at no. all um but uh it, it's uh, like i kind of said in probably said in my season two review and and in other places as well this is still a show that's got potential to just be a lot better and i'm kind of just waiting for it to hit that moment it gets a lot of things right i'm not saying it's like you know terrible yeah. it's just got things that it could maybe sort out and do better uh, i'm a little wary of them adding more characters because i think they already probably had too many characters in season two so i am interested to see how they manage the screen time for season Mm. three with different characters because they've got 13 episodes which again is always a relatively good amount but yeah adding i mean you're changing one character into another and then you're adding two with barbara and with scarecrow but um yeah i'm just kind of wondering about screen time for different characters and how they're gonna well literally my main complaint of season two is the structure yeah and if you add more characters in what does that do for the well the structure of the season and uh, screen time and things like that so these are all good ideas the titan's got a lot of very very good ideas it just hasn't pulled them all off yeah as well as they could have. I, I think this season, the interesting thing with this season is moving them to Gotham as well, because that does open the door to be able to introduce more villains of the week almost. You know, you could add more villains in for this. That could because, be a good idea. You know, yeah. um, we don't know. I mean, they've mentioned Scarecrow specifically, but we don't know whether Scarecrow is going to be a central villain. Because the thing with the first two seasons was they were central villains for them. Whereas this, we don't know whether that's going to be the case. We'll, we'll see how they structure it. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some sort of overarching story, but we'll, we'll see how this actually structures out. But mm-hmm. it, I think moving it to Gotham has interesting potential because you can add more familiar faces in there as a sort of villain of the week thing if they wanted to do that. But we'll see how they structure it. It's um, mm. I, yeah, we'll, we'll see where also, it goes. Also, please sort out Raven for season three. Just just make her a better character. 
character. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, she's she can be very, very frustrating to watch yeah. at certain points. So, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But uh, yeah, there's some interesting new additions there. A couple of other little bits that came out of it. There was a Flash Season 7 trailer which dropped, which is up on the website you can go and watch now. They haven't yeah. actually shot anything for Season 7. So what it actually is is a collection of the footage that they shot for the end of Season 6, which will now be the Season 7 premiere. So yeah. this sort of feels like an end of season six promo yeah. in a way. Well, it, because it is essentially, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's because the show got stopped early for season six, what would have been the finale is now going to be the premiere for season seven. And all the footage that they showed in that trailer is essentially, they're saying it's a season seven trailer, but it actually, it's the season six finale, which is tagged onto the front of season seven. But that is up there. If you want to see where that's going, the other bit of information that came out of a panel was they were talking about uh, Sandman which we know has a new TV series coming onto Netflix they've also done an audio book which has Michael Sheen narrating it so there is an audio book version of, of Sandman there is I think there's a new comic book coming as well but obviously the TV series was the thing that we're particularly interested in there were a couple of little bits of information that dropped out about that not shooting at the moment even though it would have been because of COVID so what they've been doing is using the time to get the scripts as close to perfect as they possibly could. One of the things that Neil Gaiman did say is that the comic book it was set in the late 80s. They've said that this is going to be set in present day. Still going to start in 1916, but the things that happened in Sandman number one and the point where it starts is not going to be 1998. It's going to be now. So he then goes on to say that that gave them quite a lot of freedom to make alterations because there are things that would change in how Sandman interacts with the world based on stuff like technology and how the world is today. There are going to be differences from the comic book which allows them to free themselves a little bit and push the story in a slightly different direction I thought that was kind of interesting we still don't know when that's coming but we do know that it's been made for Netflix when they can get to filming it which we don't know yet that was all the stuff from DC Fandom there was a lot uh, as I say they're doing it all again although the next one is going to be on the 12th of September that one is not going to be a single live event you will will be able to go on and work your way through it. So it's going to work more like the Comic Con at Home event did in that things will get dropped at particular intervals, but you can watch them at your leisure. So you'll be able to go in and and there are Mm -hmm. going to be a lot more panels for the TV shows, more Arrowverse stuff. There may be less big announcements and more straight up interviews just talking about previous seasons and that sort of stuff. I, I think there's probably less huge announcements in that one than there was in this one, but we'll have to wait and see. But that's coming 12th of September to DC fandom. There was one piece of news that dropped, which I think we have to mention, that was outside all of the DC stuff. The Boys Season 3 has got a new cast member, and it's Supernatural's Jensen Ackles is joining The Boys for Season 3 as a character called Soldier Boy. I love this. I think it's a perfect bit of casting for him. It reunites Jensen with Eric Kripke, who was the person that created Supernatural in the first place 
Price and did the first five seasons of the show. Eric Kripke released a brilliant statement saying, when I was a child, I had this crazy, impossible dream to provide Jensen Ackles with gainful employment. I'm happy to say that dream has come true. Jensen is an amazing actor and even better person and smells like warm chocolate chip cookies. And I consider him a brother. A soldier right. boy, the very first superhero. He'll bring so much honor, pathos and danger to the role. I can't wait to be on set with him again and bring a bit of supernatural to the boys. I have no doubt that Kripke is absolutely correct that Jensen Eccles smells like chocolate chip cookies. I just, <laughs> that seems to work. I'm so excited about this because Jensen's such a wonderful guy. If you've ever seen him being interviewed and stuff, he seems like such a lovely bloke. And the fact that he's back working with Kripke on this and the fact that it's a sort of, again, a kind of Captain America-y type, you know, he's the first superhero. I don't know exactly much about the character. He is in the comic books, but I've not really done that much research on him. So I don't know whether he is genuinely a hero or whether he is a villain like most of the other superheroes are. I'm really looking forward to this and he's going to be showing up for season three. We don't know when season three is going to drop yet because like everything else, it's on hold in terms of filming and stuff. Yeah, but I haven't had season two yet, but yeah. that'll, be next, that'll be next month. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, great, great choice. I think, I mean, I've only seen, I think the pilot of Supernatural, which I did think was good, but then I knew that there was 15 seasons or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot and, to get uh, through. It is yeah, an epic the, thing to troll through. It's worth it. I mean, they are brilliant, but it is worth mm-hmm. it. Didn't have any problems with the show particularly. I just got, you know, distracted as we, as yeah, we tend I know. to do. But... It's, it's a bit daunting going through 15 seasons. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of TV. But uh, no, great choice for season three. You know, when you read a news headline about a TV show or a film, like a, a casting announcement or something, and you, you just look at the title and you think, yeah, that that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, this is one of them situations. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting move for him going from something like Supernatural to the boys. I think he'll handle it really well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the guy too much particularly, but every, everything I've heard about him and about how people have spoken about him and met him at conventions and stuff sounds yeah. like a really, really great guy. So I've got no doubts about that. Joining an already very talented cast as well. So mm. uh, that should be really, really good. Because uh, is it the other Jared? Jared. What's the other one's name? Jared Padalecki. He's doing he's uh, the doing other Walk, CW show. Yeah, uh, doing Walk, Jared Padalecki is doing Walker, Texas Ranger or Walker, right? I think it's right. now actually being called, but it's a remake of Walker, Texas Ranger. So he's staying on the CW doing that. Um, yeah. It's, so it's going to be... Got, yeah. So they've both got post-supernatural careers set up, which is great as well. Yeah. So I'm very happy should be about good. that. Who knows? Maybe they'll bring Jared along eventually or something. Well, maybe. I, I mean, I'm, but, I'm uh, sure. I think they probably, much as the guys absolutely adore, I think, working with each other by the sides of it, I I, I think they probably want to do separate things for a bit. Just, just yeah, to, after 15 years. Yeah, yeah, after 15 years, I wouldn't surprise me that, that they need to keep a little bit of distance on screen, certainly, <laughs> yeah. for, to establish themselves as, as separate entities for a bit. But uh, I'm sure you'll see them at conventions again in future. And, and uh, other oh, yeah. stuff but yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah. and Supernatural itself of course is, is coming back they've announced that will be back in the US in the autumn so that's something to look forward to I think it starts mid-October that for the last episodes of Supernatural sniff but uh, is it two more episodes no it's seven because they I think it's seven or eight because they actually stopped it they've got two episodes to shoot oh two episodes to shoot but they actually stopped it with a bunch of episodes still in the can they wanted to give a good run up rather than just put the last two episodes out on their own so they actually kept back some of the episodes they'd already shot so I think it's seven or eight episodes they've got coming up in the autumn and that will be the, the last of Supernatural which is a, sh- is a shame but it had to come to an end eventually and I'm glad the boys have got other work now 
so that's all the news for this week. It's been a long one. We shall uh, end with some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We've got a number of interesting things coming. Uh, I Hate Susie, which is coming to Sky Atlantic on the 27th of August at 9pm. This is Billy Piper's new show. She's reteaming with the writer of Diary of a Core Girl. She is starring as Susie Pickles, who is a, a star that's on the wane, but our whole life is upended when her phone is hacked and photos emerge of her in an extremely compromising position. So oh, yeah. um, it's it's the writer of Diary of a Core Girl torturing Billy Piper again essentially is how she described it so uh, I'm quite looking forward to that I think that could be quite good fun but that's I Hate Susie that's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 27th of August at 9pm Cobra Kai season 1 and 2 of that which of course has been on YouTube up until now moving to Netflix for the third season but if you've missed season 1 and 2 on YouTube it's coming to Netflix on the 28th of August it's really fun that show it's got some great fight sequences in it it's well well worth watching it's a continuation of the original movie franchise with the same actors involved really worth watching that the 28th of august for that uh, for cobra kai for seasons one and two season three will then be following at some point in the future we don't know exactly when yet then we have gamora la mortal i think i'm pronouncing that right which is a, about right. it's a movie it's coming the 28th of august at 9 p.m it's based around gamora it acts as apparently based as a prequel and a sequel to the events of the series three finale so it, it's following particular characters and it's sort of a stopgap while you wait for the fifth season which is being made at the moment that is going to be airing on Sky Atlantic on the 28th of August so if you're a fan of Gamora then uh, go and watch that 28th of August at 9pm on Sky Atlantic Strike Lethal White which is the latest little Strike miniseries that's coming to BBC One on the 30th of August we haven't got an exact time for that but it'll there's be a, there's a lot of them isn't there 9 or 10 there's, well there's 4 of them yeah there's 4 different mm. ones based on each of the different books very much looking forward to that because I think the first 3 were great then we have Black Lady sketch show which is a comedy sketch show written produced and performed by a cast of african-american female comedians it looks like it could be quite funny that's coming to sky comedy on the 1st of september at 9 p.m over on channel five something original for a change other than you know my dog ate my house and whatever whatever i heard that's not real my my child's head is too big or whatever whatever other rubbish they've been putting out uh they have got an original dramatic series coming it's an adaptation of the james harriet classic book series or creatures great and small there obviously has been a very famous tv version of this before this is a new adaptation of it it's coming on the 1st of september to channel five could be one to go out and watch it's it reminds me of sat eating my tea on a Sunday evening. It's very much that sort of Sunday evening show. So uh, yeah, or Creatures Great and Small, Channel 5, that's on the 1st of September. Don't have a time for that yet, but that's when it's landing. And uh, Shameless USA returns for its ninth season on the 1st of September on Netflix, which is the American remake of Shameless, uh, which ran for a lot longer than the original did, as this tends to happen. But uh, that's coming 1st mm. of September to Netflix. And that is everything for next week on tv well i think we've been on long enough so if people want to go and find more of your stuff where can they find you You can find me on entertainmenttalk.org or if you search for entertainment talk on your favorite podcast platform you can find me on there uh, twitter etalk uk me and david have been working on something you'll see what that is on the 2nd of september that's a wednesday that is next week isn't it yes, yes. next week yes uh, so look out for that next wednesday um there's been a lot of gaming news as well so me and robert have been covering a lot of that uh, a 
couple of film reviews. Uh, Tenant's supposed to actually be out this week on oh, uh, yeah. on Wednesday or on yeah. Thursday. So we'll see how that works out. Um, but, yes, yeah. but yes, lots of stuff on entertainmenttalk.org. So come and check all that out. Yeah, go and check out all that stuff over there for Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org. Uh, you can also go and check out Bex, who is streaming pretty much daily and various evenings over on twitch.tv. That's twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. That's B-Y-T-E-S. You can uh, go and catch her over on Twitch if you want to go watch those. They are very, very funny, her streams. They're really really entertaining and she's raising money for charity again at the moment uh, so definitely worth going to go over there and help her out and donate and go and see what she's up to either cool. streaming yeah. or chatting or whatever else it is she's doing or breaking something or breaking something well, which she also maybe. frequently does yes that is true um, <laughs> yeah. for us of course you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geek town on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geek town and on Instagram at geek town UK. Go check out the website, check out all the stuff that came out from DC Fan Zone. Uh, if you're going out, make sure you wear a mask, keep your social distance, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.